Welcome to the Global Discussion, discussions with creatives, leaders and thinkers. I'm Simon Hodgkins today, delighted to be joined by Giles Alderson. Giles, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let's begin by asking you to tell our audience a little bit about who you are, the wonderful world that you're involved in, and maybe a little bit about the journey, some of the past films, and uh, how you got to where you're at today. So over to you. Giles. Thank you very much. What a lovely, lovely intro and start to the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm Giles Alderson. I have been making films for about the last 14 years. Uh, actor before that for a while, did some some good films like I Want Candy, Damned United, a load of great horror films, a load of indie films. And then I moved over to uh, directing and producing and fell in love with, you know, making movies and fell in love with that side of it. And I've been very lucky to make 10 feature films now uh, from documentaries to bigger feature films that have had cinema releases to doing very well on Netflix uh, to smaller indies uh, and everything in between. Uh, I love help helping other filmmakers. I run the Filmmakers Podcast where we constantly uh, go into filmmaking and speaking to big directors, Hollywood, all the way through to, um, you know, Oscar winners down to indie filmmakers and making something for nothing uh, and how we do it and get by. And, and I, I love all that side. I'm also um, a big advocate for animal welfare. And I'm making a documentary on um, the vegan lifestyle and our planet as well as making movies constantly. Um, yeah, I love it. Very good. Thanks, Charles, for that uh, whistle stop. It's so hard tour. to do that sort of stuff. It's so much. <laughs> it's so much better when someone else does it and bigs you up. You're so hard to big up your own stuff. <laughs> Go, uh, yes, I'm an award-winning director producer. It just sounds ridiculous. I find it so hard. <laughs> Very good. Well, look, let let's talk about some of the movies because I'm going to come back to you know the acting and then you decided to move behind the camera, but let. Let's talk about some of the movies. And I want to start with the the Three Day Millionaire, which yeah. was riding and still is riding high on Netflix around the world. I mean, I think it's an absolute triumph of a film and a production. Thank you. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. But just maybe start with a little bit of context about Three Day Millionaire for people who haven't yet had the pleasure of catching it, because I think it's a wonderful story. And when, when I first heard it, I'd never heard the term about what a three-day millionaire was. Mm. Didn't, didn't mean anything to me. And I went, that looks weird. What, what's a three-day millionaire? And then the minute the film opened, you kind of go, got it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, you know? yeah. well, three-day millionaire is a term given to trawler men. Uh, and when they come home, uh, they suddenly have money in their pocket. And if they go back to sea with money in their pocket, an old wise tale or old fishy tale says that that ship could sink. So they spend it all. Hence the term, because they're back for three days, or obviously around that, especially in the 70s when the, the phrase got coined, uh, they were three-day millionaires. They came, spent all the money, then went back on the ships. So that's where the term comes from. And that's where the film idea comes from. And it's about um, a group of lads who do come back from uh, said trip of collecting a load of fish. And this time the money isn't there or the basically the, the company wants to shut it down. So they go on a heist uh, to try and uh, get their money back and get a win back the sort of fishing industry rights that they believe should be theirs but actually they're very inept at that kind of thing and really are they doing the right thing and eventually you realize what they're doing and what they're doing it for and you fall in love with the characters and who they are uh, and their world uh, and yeah we shot it all in Grimsby um, in lockdown and yeah we, we, we raised pretty much all the money private equity up in Grimsby as well so we massively leaned on the town uh, and they were amazing with their support. They came back and helped myself and Jack, who's a director and fellow producer on the movie. Um, you know, it was it's his world. And I came into that very much. So uh, now we run a production company together called Shush Films. But that was uh, the genesis and the start of it. And yeah, we're delighted. We managed to get a cinema run. You know, we managed to get some cinema uh, release out of an indie film like this, which is, you know, what is very much on the low scale of films that get in cinemas these days. And we managed to do it and it did well. Uh, and then we went on a cinema tour as well, a Q&A tour around the country, which was incredible, which we four-walled, which is basically a term to say you share uh, revenue with cinemas uh, of whatever you make. So therefore, you've the one got to do the promotion and everything for it. 
Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then we got the Netflix deal before we knew about, you know, we were doing the cinema run, so we knew it was going on Netflix. And then, yeah, we didn't announce it. They kept it as quiet as we could, <laughs> told as little people as could, but obviously people get very excited about Netflix and, they, you know, it's going on Netflix. Shh, don't tell anyone. We want people to buy it and watch it. <laughs> you know, that's how, that's how investors make their money back. Um, yeah, and then we were on Netflix and we were amazed, you know, that we, we, we made the top 10 and then made the top five. And that to us was you know more eyeballs have now seen our film than maybe or you know so many other films that i've made because it's on netflix and therefore people will see it it's the first thing it was on the carousel spinning around for a bit and there it is on the home pages new movie new recommendation and top of the charts people see it it makes a difference so yeah we're over the moon we're over the moon with the response we're over the moon with you know everyone's work on it and uh, yeah, it's very delightful comedy. If you haven't seen it, do. And, and and if you do, and it's so important to do this, is support it by giving it a lovely review. And um, people often don't do this. They don't realize how important it is for indie filmmakers to get a review. And this is not me going, please go support our movie in that sense. It's just do it with anything. Do it with any movie you watch and you like. Just go on IMDb and go on Amazon Prime and say, thank you, I really like this. Well done to everyone involved. Whatever it is, I, I just think that's important. And you mentioned Jack there, who you run Shush Films with. And I think Shush Films is such a brilliant name for a company involved in this area. <laughs> it's just like I mean, Shush, it, you Shush. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah. obviously there were ties to Grimsby. There was sort of mm. context and background there. But when yeah. it came to the original, you know, putting it together, where did all that come from? Well, originally, um, Paul Stevenson, the writer, wrote it about Hull um, because that's where he was from. And when Jack got involved... He obviously is a huge Grimsby Town football fan, his whole family. A lot of his dad's family are from that side uh, of the world. Uh, but he lived down in London, but he was going to Grimsby all the time. So it's a huge place in his heart. So he was like, I'm going to set this in Grimsby. So it, that's how it came about. And then uh, he asked me to be involved and I read it. And I'd already seen Jack's previous film and was impressed, you know, of what he made for very, very little money. Uh, and the fact that he got a cinema release with that movie as well. I was like, yeah, I'll definitely, definitely want to be involved with someone like you who's exciting and a talent. And uh, yeah, when we we just went about going, okay, well, let's 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 lock in all the investors you've got. Let's get in new ones and, and make this work as a as an absolute baby. Get all the lawyers in place and all the legal stuff you've got to do. Um, uh, form the proper production company and make sure everyone's covered and make sure the investors got a route not only to market, but to get their money back. Um, yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, you make it sound like, you know, well, that's just what happened, but it, <laughs> I know from talking to filmmakers, it's really hard to yeah. get money together. Yes. It can be really hard to, um, you know, you've got to get the actors, the script, the set, you know, the, the location, you've got to get all the investors behind it. And then mm. even when you think you've got all that done, something falls through and it, it, the project's off, you know? Yeah. And I think whether, you know, it's not um, unique in the indie filmmaking world for people's hopes to go up and down like a roller coaster when it comes to getting something mm. finished. Um, yes. So I think anybody who does what you've done, what you've done uh, with everybody that you've been working with, I mean, it truly, as I said earlier, it's a triumph because the film itself is is superb. I think it captures that sort of part of the UK particularly well in terms of its sort of uh, cultural roots. Uh, yes. There are some great lines in it. Um, <laughs> did you take some inspiration from any other film styles? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Jack definitely did. Obviously, we prepared a presentation deck. Um, not only for investors, but for actors and other crew members so that Jack can put his vision across. And me as a producer on that film, it's very much, that's Jack's vision. You know, I'm there to serve his vision. Obviously I can put my two cents in and my experience of what, what you know, I like. But at the end of the day, the director is, it is their vision. You've got to um, support them in what they want to do. Otherwise, why are you there? Um, and Jack had uh, all this planned. You know, he spends a long time uh, doing research and developing what he wants uh, and yeah we made sure that those decks not only for you know the, the one that looks nice um, with all the pretty pictures you've also got to do the one that is the jargon and the lawyer speak so yes there was a lot of preparation that goes into this and maybe I did make it sound like yeah and that just happened and I, you know the reality is I've been trying 
to make films for 15 years. And in that time, I have made films. But the point is, I'm saying trying. With Three Day Millionaire, yes, it did seem a lot easier, but it wasn't. Uh, yes, you're right, things did fall down. And yes, there was major issues, of course. But that's not necessarily what you want to, you know, that's not the first thing you put out, and certainly not when you're promoting the film. But, you know, on this podcast, it is for creatives. And the answer is, yeah, that was not easy. That didn't come overnight. There was the worry that the money might not be there. You know, you, you're talking to not just one main investor. This isn't a studio movie where they're going, the money will come, you need to cash flow that. This is how it works. This is a very different beast. Someone could pull out at any time. And they did. And it was just managing that, you know, how do you cope? How do you go find someone else to fill that gap uh, that doesn't upset your other investors and, and, and upset the apple, apple cart that someone comes out before someone else? All these type of things are, are just, like you say, very difficult. And there's so many projects I've tried to make before this that have fallen down. Uh, they've got very far and then fallen down. And then there's other ones that I have made that have just sailed through. And it's incredible how that is. And, and what it comes down to for me is your passion, uh, the, the project itself, and whether people will buy into you. So I put that in order as well. I, I think passion is of your project is so important. If someone says, yeah, I've got, got this idea about this guy and he's the you're going to go, well, why am I going to put money into that? But if someone's like, look, this is great. We've got this. You can feel it in anyone who tells you any idea ever. If they're passionate about it, you suddenly get more excited than you ever have before. That's just that. That just is how it is. So if you believe in your project and you're putting that across, now people are interested, regardless of who's in it or how much it costs, they're going, tell me more. So that comes first, in my opinion, is the passion of what, how much you believe in the project and what you think you can do with it and how much of a difference it can make. And a film like Three Day Millionaire, it's there to make a difference. It, you know, and we're not saying it's going to suddenly everyone's going to go to Grimsby on holiday. But the point is, it's saying Grimsby is a place it's not as bad as it's portrayed in so many other films and, and in the media. And it is actually a place where there is hope and life and there is amazing people there. And that was important for us. And as long as we were saying that, then the people of Grimsby themselves and Cleethorpes would open the doors to it. Uh, and then comes next, you've got to know your stuff. Uh, the script has to be good, you know, because at the end of the day, if it's not, it doesn't matter how much passion you are, if someone's not, they're going to read that and go, no, cast are going to say no. But, you know, investors often won't read the script. They're not easy to read. It's a, you know, it's a certain skill to read a script. Uh, it's not like reading a play. Um, so, and that's not easy. So yeah, there's so much stuff goes into it, you know. Uh, but that that for me is very, very important. And investors will buy into you. My third point, uh, if you've got the passion, then you've got the nous, not only the script, but also the uh, the how you're going to do it and how the route to market and the route to them getting their money back. You know, you've got all those ducks in a row. Then it comes down to do they want to invest in you and your team and your uh, your project for the long run? Um, and that is so important. People forget that. They just think, oh, I've got a script and I'm amazing. I'm a director. I'm a producer. Why would you not want to give me money? Well, no, that person's got to work with you and they've got to introduce their wife or husband to you or kids to you. And if you're not someone they want to do that to, then why are they going to invest in you? So it's just stuff like that that, that comes from years of, of grinding out trying to make films. <laughs> Well, that's that's the experience, isn't it? And it, it you know, it's uh, sort of earning earning the experience. And it, you know, it is tough. I know it's tough. And uh, but I think when something hits in the way that it's hit, often people will say they had no idea that this was going to be the one that would hit. Mm. Uh, and then some ones that hit, you kind of go, "Well, I didn't think that would work." You know, I thought the other one was better. You know, and it it's kind of sometimes a little bit random, isn't it? Um, yep. Yeah, you never know. I think that's yeah. the answer. People go into making films, you know, or that that particular film saying this one's going to be the one, everyone's excited. Yeah, and even the problems on set, you just don't know the audience responses. You don't know. You know, I've made films that I thought, oh, this is going to do really well. And it hasn't. I've made other films that I thought mm, it was all right. And people have gone crazy for it. So I always see it as you do your best 
to make the best film you can and then it's out of your hands once it's out in other people's hands literally there's the dvd in their hand or it's on their netflix or it's on the cinema screen kind of not yours anymore it's theirs now to be a fan of to to rave about it or to hate it it isn't yours and you you sometimes you've got to let it go and it's really hard because you've worked so hard for it you've developed it from nothing it's your idea and that's become a thing that people are fans of. And, you know, someone might get a tattoo of it. And it's like, what? This is just something we came up with. But that side of it is magical. That's the side people want to get in it for. But the reality is that is once in a blue moon. Uh, and that might be maybe five, six times in your career, if you're lucky. We were, you know, on the podcast recently, we did, you know, how many directors that made more than 20 films out of, I don't know, was it Nelly... Uh, half a million directors there's like 134 and you go wow right but yet you're trying to do this as a career you see what I mean it's like producers can do more DOP certainly do more but as a director they'll make many films even Quentin Tarantino's quitting after 10 you know and it's like okay so yes so you, you make the most of it when these things happen and yes Three Day Millionaire has been a great success and we are delighted and we're over the moon that people like it Oh, congratulations. And uh, just a nod to that. You mentioned the script there, you know, and I thought there were some genius lines in the script. <laughs> I thought it was superb. Yeah. Uh, the turn of phrase, some of the, and the way some of the actors brought it to life. And you had some great actors in there. You know, I thought Jamie Burroughs was great and Jonas mm. Armstrong. And of course, Colomini was in the movie too. Yeah. He's a pretty, you know, a lot of people know Colomini pretty well. Yeah. And I also thought people like Sam Glenn, I mean, they they did yeah. tremendous parts, you know, or, or uh, Melissa Batchelor. Melissa Batchelor, yeah, yeah. Michael Kinsey's in there, Lauren yeah. Foster. I mean, the, yeah, Grace there's a great. lot of great uh, people, actors involved. And I thought they really brought the story to life. Um, the last thing on this, because I do want to talk about some of your other films as well, but the Netflix deal, um, was that really difficult to pull together? Um, and did it take a long time? Because I know people watching this, particularly filmmakers and creatives, it, it, that would kind of be their dream come true to have something actually air on Netflix. Because in today's world, Cinema's great, but you know, with with films of this nature, where maybe it's not the latest Tom Cruise, it doesn't have the Tom Cruise money, and you had to raise the money locally, you know, from Grimsby and from investors, etc. Um, and you can get a cinema release, but it's normally restricted to certain regions or mm -hmm. a particular country. It's not a global release, but with the Netflix and the global distribution, that you kind of switch on overnight to some degree. Um, language barriers aside and subtitles and all the rest of it mm. but that distribution globally must really help a film in today's uh sort of you know people who maybe don't go to the cinema as often as they used to but they do turn their streaming mm -hmm. service on yeah yeah like i say it's you know so many people have now seen the film that wouldn't have if we didn't have the netflix deal and i'd love to say it was me. I went into Netflix and demanded this is how much they give us. And of course you want our, our film. Uh, it was our distributors. Um, so we worked really hard to get our distributors on board, which is Signature Entertainment. Um, and they're the experienced ones at that. Now, it, you know, now it's maybe a different story. Now maybe we can, you know, and filmmakers can go in and pitch their projects to Netflix and Netflix can say, yes, here you go. Here's a set amount of money. Go make it. Come back when it's done. It does happen. It's very rare, but it does happen. What tended to happen sort of five, 10 years ago was Netflix were buying up a lot of indie films for decent amounts of money uh, and saying often it's a Netflix original. Now they've become so big and they can make their own Netflix original films. They don't need your indie film anymore. So we were very lucky uh, that Netflix wanted our film. I, I think films like Bank of Dave and there was a few others last year, I used to be famous, um, and others in a similar vein that had done really well. So Netflix were looking for a film that could, as you know, when you watch Netflix and you finish something, it says, you like this, you now will like this. They know what they're doing. So they're looking for things to fit in the gaps. Um, you know, if you've made a documentary about cats, well, if one of their 
documentaries a couple of years ago, the one about the cats. Well, they need something to fill in those people who love those cat documentaries. So there you go. You might get a good deal. We were lucky. We got that, um, you know, signature went in and they negotiated the good deal. It was not me. I'd love to take credit for it. But it was me that negotiated the deal with signature in the first place. So it's funny how it works. But um, yes, it is all about being in the door. And if you're in the door in any of these places from Prime to Apple, uh, wherever it is, whichever streaming platform, you have a chance for them to pick up your film and you. And again, it comes down to likability third uh, and then knowing your stuff and having an amazing uh, product and passion as well so uh, yes I am very grateful but it's also a lot of work getting to that stage um, even though like I say we didn't do that particular deal we did all the other deals to get to that point so we could be in a position that someone could actually take the film and I really appreciate you sharing that insight because it, it, it it's not just one approach that there's several layers there's a lot of work to get to that point and it all kind of adds up doesn't it to to get to that area and you mentioned bank of dave and maybe films in that particular genre or style and you may not like uh, my next comment but there were also moments where i was thinking sort of guy ritchie type-esque uh, to it well that's absolutely right and actually you you asked that earlier and i didn't answer yeah. but it's more of a jack question than mine but jack's vision for it and he had he did say you know it's guy ritchie-esque that's his vibe and that's what he wanted to do in his own style and i very much think it's a very jack spring style but people have mentioned that you know they said it's a guy ritchie film it's a uh in some way Danny Boyle-esque and there's some there's some others that have been banded around but I don't know I think that's a cheap shot sometimes you could always say okay well it's a Tarantino-esque film well great thank you very much <laughs> I'll take that um you know you're in a league with these amazing filmmakers so I, I it, you know Jack always set out to do that that was his you know vision yeah no thanks Charles and what about some of the other stuff so Wolves of War, Knights yeah. of Camelot, World of Darkness, Serial Killers yeah um food for thought uh, there's there's a lot right stranger in our bed so yeah. can can you maybe bring some of those to life a little bit because there was there's a little bit of that world of darkness in there there's a bit of horror in there a bit of sort of you know where's all that come from listen i'm very grateful to make movies uh, i i you know people when i first set out on this journey we're very much like stick in a box stay in the same lane stay in the horror lane if you're going to start that therefore it's an easier sell. And I get that now as a producer, if, if I've got a director on a project I'm doing and they've just made a brilliant horror that's broken out, but they go, Hey, I want to do this rom-com about vegan cheese. I'm going to go, well, great, but how am I going to sell you? The distributors are going to say the same thing. You can't put on the poster from the director of, you know, evil dead. If he's doing a rom-com next, it just doesn't work. So I get it. But I didn't care about that. I very much was, what is the next opportunity in front of me as a director slash producer? I've worked too hard to suddenly go, no, I'm going to turn that down because I'm only going to do this. Um, you know, and if someone says, we've got a project, uh, would you want to pitch on it? It happens to be Arthur and Merlin. I'd go, yes, thank you very much. I would love to pitch on that. Let me have a look. And that's, you know, pretty much what's happened. I've been very lucky, I suppose, or I've, I've worked very hard to get that luck where people know who I am and they're aware of me that they go, oh, yes, let's let Giles pitch on this one. Um, and I think after the, you know, the, the success of the Dare and World of Darkness, people paid attention. And while I was that was coming out and all that was happening, suddenly people said, hey, can you pitch on this? And that's exactly what happened. Arthur and Merlin led to uh the stranger in our bed which then led back to walls of war which has led back to you know all these little things have just worked because people you work with want to work with you again again if you're a good person a nice person um and that's kind of what happened I, you know i love the stranger in our bed because i think it's the latest one that i directed that's come out uh, there was two out very very close together which was very hard to promote and poor me i had two films out at the same time deal with it <laughs> you know it's like there's so many filmmakers out there going, oh, you know, get over yourself. But it was annoying. But anyway, because, you know, you, you want to really promote them and get behind them. And people are like, hang on, you got two films out. Um, so, yes, that happened with Walls of War and The Stranger in Our Bed, one, one thriller. Um, which, you know, very proud of both films. Uh, you know, Wolves of War was a, a war film. 
and it's very hard to make a war film on a on a budget there's no question but i'm very proud of how we did it you know ed westwick's in that rupert graves and you know work with some amazing people and you, you really try and make the best film you can with that and uh, yeah you know great script from some amazing people and you know getting great team behind it um, this in the road to Tacker has produced a lot of my movies and you know she's fantastic at it and uh, she did Arthur and Merlin and then Wolves of War and she also helped on Three Day Millionaire as well so and again it's teamwork in this business and who you know and uh, that's how things grow and develop and people rise up and you know you hopefully rise with them if not you bring them up and hopefully they take you with them it's and if they don't so be it um, but you've got to constantly be working in this industry and constantly be fighting hard um but yes i'm very proud of what i've done i'm very proud um you'll always get horrible reviews you'll always get those things that burn uh, uh it doesn't matter how many positive ones it's the it's the other ones that stick but you know i've grown a much thicker skin from when i first started um i, I remember a, a few because the dare came out in the usa first and those reviews were like seven out of ten eight out of ten and we we're going oh yeah, yeah now looking back you're going hang on a minute mate they were amazing what's wrong with you you idiot but you don't know that when you you know your first film comes out you just you just like it's only seven out of ten shut up shut up that's amazing um I, again it what you know i'm, I'm over exaggerating a little bit but i am um, I'm very grateful to be where I am. I love making movies. I love being on set as a director. It's just one of the best feelings in the world when you're in the middle of a, a setup, you've already rehearsed it or you've done one take and then you know you're going to go again and you're going to tweak a camera angle because you've already gone through with the DP. You go, no, no, we're just going to push push closer onto the face there and then come back and reveal that if it's a steady cam shot. And then you go whisper to the actors, let's play with this. Let's just feel a little bit more love at that point. What are you saying here? Let's... And then you see it come again when you say, cool, let's go again on action. And the smoke's just perfect and the light's just hitting and the actors nail it. And you, oh, honestly, there's nothing better and you go cool that's a cut moving on ah oh, you're like great thank you so much everyone you know from the you know, the gaffer to the grip to the makeup team you know they're all everyone's pulling together for that moment and when i was acting i didn't realize that there were so many other people making the film i did but as an actor you, you it's kind of about you you're waiting in your trailer, they come and give you tea and food and everything, you get made up, you get your costume on and you're waiting, you're going, well, it's not fair, do they? You know, you don't realize how much is going on on set and the problems and the issues that they have. Um, and, you know, gosh, you know, looking back, you kind of go, God, how lucky was I to be on any of these sets, you know, as an actor and I learned so much. It was, um, yeah, yeah, incredible. But sometimes when you hear actors complain, you're like, mate, you have no idea that pa has been running around all day just to get you something you wanted and make sure everything's right and it, it can be frustrating but it's how it works it's just you know um the wonderful world of filmmaking yeah i love it jaws i love it and two things that you two words that you've used which i i, I just want to mention for a minute and you were talking earlier about the passion and mm -hmm. it obviously comes through when you're talking but not just the passion for movies and the passion for getting that set right and the lighting right and the, you know, whispering to the actor what you what you're looking for. Uh, that's obviously part of the passion, but the passion to drive the whole project through too. You were talking about earlier, mm. and people buying you, uh, you know, buying into you and the team and you know the, the passion that comes from them. I think that's one important thing. But the other thing that you said that really landed with me is, you know, being a nice guy, uh, teamwork, relationships being the person and the team that somebody wants to work with again. And I think, you know, mm. particularly in your area of work, uh, not that it's not important in other areas, but in your area of work, it's kind of how it works behind the scenes, isn't it? Um, it it's kind of like because you develop a, a relationship, a friendship, people get to know your work, they get to know what you do. Mm. Um, and that that seems to work an awful lot. And the question I'm leading to is, do you think being an actor helps you be a better director, producer of feature films today? Does it make you that better uh, than, than, say, somebody that had a very limited, um, you know, maybe just treading the board slightly and then straight into making their own movies from their bedroom or something? Or, mm -hmm. you know, has that been instrumental to you? Or when you decided and, you know, when you made the switch, and I'm interested to know why you made that switch, by the way, and why you decided to get the other side of the camera into the other area of the business 
Was that a steep learning curve at that point? So the answer is 100%. Uh, if I hadn't been an actor and I'd just gone into directing, I wouldn't know how to work with actors. Actors are an amazing creatures who can make your film work or not. You know, it lives or dies by what they do. Hence why you put up with, the, you know, sometimes that little bit of, it's not all about you, but by now it is because that's what's happening. You want to make sure they're coming to set feeling refreshed and ready to cry on cue. Because it's if you haven't acted, you don't realise how hard it is. You don't realise that sitting around, you know, I was mocking it earlier by saying they're sitting around waiting for their moment. But at the end of the day, they are. And if they're not ready to turn it on when you've got the camera rolling you haven't got time to go okay go off for an hour get in the zone and come back because you're making an indie film a studio film would be the same you haven't got time to do that money is time is money you just you just can't do it so they have to be ready so yes uh the i the the fact that i came from an acting background made me able to direct maybe understand the film set and again, it took me a long time to really understand the film set because it's very different when you see it as an actor to suddenly you're behind the camera and you're making stuff work. But what I did, I just went on every other set I could. In fact, I met uh, a filmmaker the other day who's also doing really well. And I was on one of her first shorts that she produced and I was like a, a, a fourth AD on it or something, you know, but I was there on set just learning and watching and going, yeah, okay, I can do this. What, how does this part of the set work? How does this feel? Um, you know, how does it feel to hold a boom all day? How does it feel to run around uh, banging nails in and redoing a set and doing props? And where do they all come from? How do you find these? How do you get the resources for it? What about prep? Um, how are you as a producer making sure that everything's going to work perfectly when it comes to the day? And, and yes, I, I learned so much coming to set as an actor. Um, and as a producer, you you realize what, you know, a lot of people sort of say, well, what does a producer do? You know, who doesn't know the film industry? I I, I sort of say you're, um, you're the wedding planner, but it's also your wedding. And the groom is on fire and the bridesmaid has disappeared and the mother of the bride is pissed in the corner and you've and and the father of the bride is on fire you've now got to pull all this together make sure that they're all friendly everyone on the whole set you've got to make sure it's running like clockwork like a clock because if something goes wrong the time is out you've got to make sure that that is smooth that they're getting to set at the exact time that that camera is ready to roll and the light is set and the smoke is perfect you have to time that with radios backwards and forwards from your first ad to your third to your second that they're telling the cast now's the time to go that who are speaking to the drivers to make sure they're on time and on place to pick them up to drive them to the right place where there's a car park space ready for them. All these type of things you learn as a producer that they have to happen. It doesn't magically, oh, there's all the actors perfectly made up in place and there's the camera ready to roll. And what you have to do as a producer is make sure that all that, like I say, someone's on fire, someone's ill, this is all happening, is now none of that's happening. You're putting out all those fires beforehand. And then you're doing all that again the next day. And the next day and that week and that month and then afterwards, you know, piecing all together, you've got to pay people, you've got to make sure that all the paperwork's in place and all your BFI, you know, uh, forms are, are there so you can make sure you get the tax rebate. There's so much to do with deliverables as well. So um, a filmmaker's job is not just on set. It's a year prepping it and it's a year posting it afterwards. Uh, you know, there's films I'm still working on that are, had come out five years ago you know you're still delivering it for maybe a new territory oh they want to put a dvd out right can you do a behind the scenes can you do an interview about that you know um and the dare like i say that was with the dare and it was it's a long time ago we made that movie we're still talking about it people still want to know and you've still got to deliver something we're still doing the behind the scenes of it you know because <laughs> people want it it's, it's crazy but that's filmmaking and, and and it's amazing and i love it but people should know it's if they haven't done it yet it's it's not for the faint hearted. This isn't easy. This isn't, you know, what you see in the movies. This isn't some big exec walking around going, yeah, go hire, fire. No, this is, this is grassroots stuff, which if you don't get it right, it all falls apart and it doesn't happen. There's a mutiny on your hands. So, yeah. yeah. I think you, I think you've, the, 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 the wedding picture that you painted in our minds there for a moment, I think, <laughs> 
I think for anybody who's not in that world, that that kind of sums it up nicely. It paints the picture beautifully. Uh, and as you say, the next day, oh, and the next day. And exactly. That's just one day, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. something else. There's yeah. another fire to put out or there's a location that's fallen through and you've got to get a new one or the costume's lost yeah. and you've got to go tell the director. But as a tip, never tell the director until you have a solution. If you have a solution, great. If you don't, what's the director going to do? Hey, we've just lost a location. What do you want me to do? I'm about to direct this scene. What, and what have you told me for? Wind them up. So yeah, always go to a director or a producer or an actor with a solution to a problem. Never go, hey, we've got a problem. Great, thanks. It's your job. Go fix it. Yeah, the, the last thing a director needs in full flight is another problem, right? Yes, so, yeah. another problem. Exactly, exactly. Well, look, I, thanks very much indeed, because that, that was a great insight into your world, Giles. I really appreciate you sharing some of your, your insights there. I want to change gear a little bit, and I want to ask you some questions about you. Uh, and I, I want to start with about where you get your own ideas, thoughts, inspirations from. How do you onboard information? Are you constantly scouring the internet when you've got a five minutes? Are you looking on your mobile phone? Are you on social media? Are you just bumping into people and it's conversations that you have through networking? Uh, are you an avid reader? Do you get time to listen to audiobooks? How does today's media world and inspiration come to you and how do you consume that? Yes, all of that. I, I sometimes don't stop. Um, people who know me sometimes go, how do you fit all this in? Especially doing a podcast as well, you know, putting it out every Tuesday and editing it and doing it and interviewing people like yourself. It's, it's hard work. It's not something that, again, it's just, Hey, that just went up on, you know, iTunes and Spotify and stuff. Uh, yes. I, I am very much a reader. I love uh, finding out what's happening. I'll read the latest empire magazines, Hollywood reporter. Uh, I'll listen to the latest reviews news find out what's happening in the world who's hot who's not I, I i try and keep my finger on the pulse i go to networking events i host networking events i meet filmmakers all the time and that's one of the good things about doing the podcast is i meet all these filmmakers who are in the same boat as me and we all help each other it is incredible um and i really appreciate that side of it so i'll accept editing till five in the morning sometimes to get it out because uh, i've just met a new filmmaker of you know now we've become friends and we'll go for coffee and we'll share scripts and ideas and uh, so much work has come from that um i think it's so important as a creative to not be in your own little bubble and just be in your own little world and not care about anything else or anyone else that they're doing um, whether it's you writing poetry or um, you're writing a book or you, you're doing a podcast, it, it, to be insular is, for me, it's just the death of what you're trying to do because eventually it's just going to fizzle out. Whereas if you're collaborating with other people, sharing ideas, and when people get very scared to share stuff, I don't really get it. Um, I did, um, but knowing what I know now, the effort of someone taking your idea rewriting it to being in any way shape or form a script or a project that could get out there is takes years they've spent years on their own projects they're not going to bother rewriting yours or trying to take your idea and if they do well, it's not going to be like yours is it I, I, I said I think that risk is worth it because now you're getting feedback on something that could be better whereas you're now holding on to it going yeah but someone might take my idea yeah but your idea might need adapting and taking and someone needs to go mate i've seen that before that doesn't work or that's amazing i know someone who can help you uh, it's so important to do that so for me yeah it's about sharing ideas going to networking events getting out there hosting your own stuff you know if you don't know any short you don't know any people in your area you don't live in london you don't live in these places the hubs that they say filmmaking happens and you live in a small village well you go oh well i don't know it's impossible for me well no, it's not. Put a notice on in your local post office. Hey, anyone interested in watching films, making films, doing stuff? Facebook is amazing. Social media is amazing for all that. You can meet people. And there's no excuses now for not going, hey, guys, I'm going to set up a little screening event for short film I've made. Anyone else got a short they want to put on? I'm going to do this in my garage and put a white screen up. Who Tell you what. You're going to get people down who are just like you. And suddenly now you're collaborating and you're working on something together. Let's write something. Let's do it. 
why aren't you doing that? Um, yeah, I get it. You're scared and it's easy to be scared of failure and scared of success. They're both easy things to be scared of. What happens if someone does come calling? If Netflix do say go make a movie? Uh-oh, what happens if I'm not good at it? Sure, that's fear. But if you want to do this industry, you want to do something in, in this industry, then you have to overcome that fear and accept that you might fail or succeed. And both are okay. It's okay to fail. I fail all the time. Fail upwards if you can, but fail and learn from it and get better. That's fine. That's part of what we do. You're never going to make, you know, be the next Tarantino. It's almost impossible. So don't expect it. And you never know. You might be. Um, and that's that for me is important. So yes, all that sort of stuff you just said, reading books, social media, meeting people is is vital and, and absolutely has to be done. Thanks, Charles. I like that a lot. And I wanted to ask you, it kind of leads on to what I want to ask you next, because as well as all what we've just discussed, there must be people that have give you a helping hand along the way, people that you admire, people that inspire you. Mm. Um, and when I ask you that kind of question, is it a particular personality type or is there actually individuals that spring to mind? Interesting. I, I think it might be personality type. You know, there is so many individuals that spring to mind. So many people have helped me over the years. It's too many to count. Um, too many to name even. You, you start playing the Oscar music before, <laughs> before I've even gotten anywhere near a third through it. But so many people, you know, um, uh, who've just been there when I've said, and, and you know what's interesting about this? The amount of times I was scared to reach out and someone would say, why didn't you contact me about this? I'm the same. So like, why don't you just ask me? I'd have given you some advice about a distribution deal you wanted to take or a script that I'd said, no, maybe you shouldn't use that actor because they're a bit difficult or that crew member because they, they, they want to leave at five every day or they, you know, they annoy everyone, whatever it is, or they're amazing. Um, yes. Yeah. The, the, I, 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 I've been influenced by so many people. Danny Ball for me is someone who's an incredible filmmaker but I don't know him. I met him once and he said, yeah, I'll come on your podcast. Yeah. 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 I'll come on your podcast. And, but he, he then hasn't since we've sort of reached out, but I, I know I will. And I know I'll, I'll but it, that's okay. Sometimes I say, don't necessarily spend too much time with your heroes. Um, but so many other people I admire in this business who've won Oscars and been amazing have, have massively helped. And I love that I can reach out to these people and they will give me advice. And what I found fascinating is that some of these people who I massively respect and admire have asked me for advice. And I find that crazy because <laughs> it's like, wait, what? You, you need something from me? Yes, no problem. What do you need? Uh, I, I mean, it's not like they need help with, you know, what they're doing, but something that they need off me or something. It's just delight. It's like, okay. And that's how it should be. You, you play it forward and you play it back and you help. You know, our motto on the Filmmakers Podcast is if you rise up and do well, it's your duty to send the elevator back down. We say at the end of every episode, and I mean it, you know, it's it's so important to do that. And that's 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 the ethos of, I suppose, what we do. Uh, but so like important. I say, it's, it's hard sometimes when, you know, you're you're doing your own projects and you're trying to get stuff made and then someone reaches out the blue and says hey can you give me a load of can you read my script and you're like oh uh, that's that's two hours of my life plus and it's so it's hard sometimes so also never expect anyone to do anything for you as well don't expect people that you know they, they they're still trying hard to make their own careers and lives and pay the mortgage and stuff even if you think they're super successful they don't owe you anything um and I made that mistake potentially when I first started. And I see it from filmmakers all the time. They expect something from you. And it's like, no, don't expect, just ask. And if they give you it, thank them forever. And if they don't, do not get annoyed. It is just the way it is. Love that. Um, and you, 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 you talked about advice there for a moment. And mm. there must be advice that you picked up along the way. Um, or advice that you think has been instrumental, uh, something maybe some advice that you've held on to, um, or maybe there's advice that you find yourself passing on to others now uh, more regularly. But when I ask you about advice, is there anything that springs to mind there? Uh, I mean, the, the, the one I just said, but I think the main one, and we did say this, said this for a long time, is don't be a dick. Um, and it's actually vital there's there's 
you know, when, when we said, you know, we talked earlier actually about being nice and it is important to be nice, but there's a difference between nice and being a pushover. And that is very important. You still got to be very strong in your vision and what you want uh, and what you need uh, from other people and what you want to perceive as well for you and other people think of you. And yes, you can be nice, but at the end of the day, you are in charge or you are the leader and you have to assert authority and you have to have other people want to follow you uh, and that is quite a skill and it's not easy so it's about not being a dick you can be upset about something you can say this is how we're doing it and standing your ground sure but it's about doing it in the right way not being a bully and not being a dick and that for me is you know the best bit of advice i can give anyone from the very beginning the other one is um if you're writing a screenplay with someone else have it in writing um that this is what you're doing together and if one person writes more than the other they get a bigger credit they get you know the other person gets a, a co-writer credit or a story by have it in writing from the very beginning even if you're best friends you can do that over a text it counts in a court of law um hey i'm not a lawyer i don't know if that does count or not i've told it does <laughs> but either way for me it is about um having something written down so yeah they're the two bits of advice i can give uh, and the third one is if it's not working out don't be afraid to move away from whatever that is if you don't want to do this anymore be a creative do this you want to it's okay if you the person you're working with is not working out that's okay too it's okay to move on it's okay to fail or think that that didn't happen it honestly is don't worry about it it really doesn't matter so i like that so look we've got to send the elevator back down yes um yes we've got to be a nice guy yep um and also uh we've got to get things agreed up front before we kick off our project mm -hmm. yep and we also need to remind ourselves then giles as you say that it's okay to stop doing something or to walk away if it's not working yeah so that they're four great things thanks so much for sharing those um now there's many things that you're passionate about uh and obviously we've talked a lot about film but i just want to talk a little bit about the podcast a bit more because mm -hmm. you do the filmmakers podcast and you you kind of have these hosts that come in and out and you, you you're in you you know you mention you're interviewing all these um filmmakers uh and you're kind of building relationships through that mm -hmm. but you've been putting out some really great great content through the filmmakers podcast and what what do you love about podcasting why do you like that medium and what do you why do you feel it really helps what you're doing when it comes to making films um i love the medium of podcasts i mean for one they're free um you know it's free for people to listen to any podcast whenever they want that's pretty special those people who are doing it are doing that out the goodness of the heart most of them i'd say gosh probably 99 of them are not getting a wage from doing this <laughs> you know this is doing it for the love of the passion of something that they want to give back or they care about and they want their voice just to be heard you know um it's a great platform for us to talk about our films but it's a great platform for others to learn from and that's what's the main important thing and it's a great platform for me to learn you know i doesn't matter how many books I've read on filmmaking and there's a whole lot of them here and I've read so many of them and then as soon as a new one, I'll read it, I'll get it and constantly trying to know my knowledge about filmmaking. But I have not, no, I don't know how to word this in the right way. I've learned so much more from the filmmakers I've had on the podcast than I could have of reading all the filmmaking books in the world um, because it's firsthand knowledge from someone saying it to your face though i've also learned more from being on a set um but that's you know either way that's why i love podcasting because it is giving something back to someone who can't be on a set who is going oh, okay that's what it's like oh okay this they said it was going to be hard they said prepare for your first day they said do this they said make sure you got contracts in place all those type of things um and you do need deliverables as you go. <laughs> All those things the indie filmmaker does need to know. And we do try and give as much information as possible on the Filmmakers Podcast. Uh, look, it's, it's a joy. You know, I have cemented so many brilliant relationships, not only from the hosts that were great acquaintances. There were people I might have worked with as an actor or people I respected as a director. Now that we're doing the podcast, we're best mates. I mean, we're all sharing scripts together. We're all helping each other, all of them. And that that's great we've set up we when clubhouse was a thing during lockdown a big thing it still is but the big thing we all i i got together with i said right all of you 
the hosts are coming on and then any other filmmakers I knew then became hosts on it. And now we've got a huge WhatsApp group for filmmakers because of that. And we all meet up and it's beautiful. We all help they ask each other for advice constantly on A and then we've got a contract for this. Does anyone work there? Does anyone know a studio here? And that's the other thing I'd say, you know, set up WhatsApp groups with people, go in these places, go on Facebook groups, help, listen, support, be, be that. If someone says, hey, does anyone know a studio? Go, yes, I've, I've got one. I'm a friend, used one here. Here's a contact. Um, but yeah, that's what I love about the podcast. We've had amazing guests on, Ian McKellen, Stephen Fry, Mark Strong, amazing actors. But we've also had amazing Oscar-winning filmmakers um, of this year's Best Picture Oscar winner, All Quiet on the Western Front, Ed Berger, uh, Daniel Brühl, uh, and interestingly, James Friend, who won the Oscar, uh, made my first short film as a director. Um, he came and shot it for me because someone told me to just reach out and ask him. I, I, I was in one of the films that he'd, he'd uh, shot, and, and I went, no, he'll never do it, he'll never do it. And someone went, well, ask him. He can only say no. And I did. And suddenly now it, the short was so much better because of it, because it's his technique and skill. And he brought his team and his camera. I was going to shoot it on, you know, DSLR, just a 5D or whatever. So anyway, uh, uh, yes, the, the, it's just an amazing platform. And I think anyone who has anything creative that they're doing, whether that's cycling workshops uh, and they talk about the cycling thing or you've got, you know, you're a lawyer and you've got a specific interest have a podcast write a book about it because suddenly people pay more attention to you and that's people think you know more than you do perhaps because you're doing something you're giving back and anyone who thinks that goes, oh okay well they must know what they're talking about I don't know I I, I, I do feel that I have to know what I'm talking about I've learned you know, over the time. I don't mind doing things like this now. You know, I love it um, because I'm free to talk and be open about it because I go, oh yeah, that's interesting. That's important. Um, doing any kind of these networking events where I'm on the panel. Great. I want to try and give as much information to the people there who've come. Sometimes they're paid to be there. You go, okay, well, what can I give them back? This isn't about me and, hey, look at me. I've done all these films. They don't necessarily care about that. They care about what can they learn to make them a filmmaker uh, or get advice from you. So yes, that's what the podcast does and, and I love it. It's great to hear all the things that the podcast kind of develops too, mm. as well as just putting out the content because yeah. when when you're talking to me, it, it it's just a global community of people that are in your sweet spot. You're actually yeah. building genuine connections and community with people uh, and you're learning from each other and it's growing and it's working and I, yeah. I love that. and. Look, you've had some fantastic big names on your show too, which I'm sure helps. Um, but I think people probably come along to learn as well as to be entertained, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's a really important part of being involved in a community. And as you say, whether you're a cyclist, whether you're a filmmaker or whatever it is, there are people out there um, that like what you like. You've just got to find your people, right? Yes, absolutely right. Lovely. Well, as we come towards the end of our time together, Giles, just a couple of quick questions to finish off if I can. Sure. Uh, the, one of them is about your own planning process. You mentioned earlier that, you know, you're still working on things for the dare, you know, <laughs> many years <laughs> later. Um, so you obviously, as a filmmaker, you have to think years in ahead, you know, and you, there's a lot to it. Mm. But when I ask you about what you're thinking about over the next six months, 12 months, 18 months or further afield, What's on your radar? How does the planning process work for you? And is there anything that you're hoping to achieve in the, the coming sort of 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, et cetera? Yes, we've uh, got a slate of films now with Shush, myself and Jack. Um, so we know our trajectory. Other things might come in between that, other bits and pieces, you know, someone might contact us from the studio and say, hey, will you come direct this? Telly could get in the way. But we have a trajectory. We've got a plan. We're doing this film then, that's the idea somewhere around then, uh, dependent, cast dependent, then we're doing this one, and then we're doing this one. It's a growth, and that is important, I think, to have the plan. Regardless of it happens, you've got a plan. It's the kind of thing I say as well to a lot of filmmakers, is have a start date. When are you filming this film? If you've got a start date, you've just got something to work towards. If you go, oh, well, we'll do it at some point. It's, never it's so much harder to get it actually happening whereas if you say we're shooting this in september oh suddenly your dp goes cool i put it in my diary for september so let me know 
if anything else comes up, they'll tell you and then it's real. Actors are going, oh, it's September. Great, that's happening. Your investors are going, it's September or it's your own pocket. You've got to raise enough money to shoot then, whether it's a short film or whatever. Um, yes, I think it's important to have that trajectory of what you are doing. Yeah, we've we've got a, a Christmas movie. We've got plans. So we're, we're shooting that very soon. Um, we're just casting that at the moment. We've got a couple of other comedies that we are uh we're going to be casting very soon for one of them the other one is in uh script stage and then we've even option books for the future stage so we're thinking well ahead like two three four years down the line of what we're planning to do and like i say other things could come in between that we've got a new project oh this comes in we really like but at the moment we are planning what we are doing um and it's nice it feels good to do it that way uh rather than just be well what's next don't know we've we've now you know, we've set up shop and we're ready and we've got team in place, you know, creative developers and producers on this one, different, different. And it's really nice. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Giles. And look, the, the last thing really is it, it's two two parts. One is, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd like to maybe share with our worldwide audience while we're together today? Or maybe just restate, you know, reemphasize some of the points that maybe we have touched on. And secondly, and importantly, if people want to start joining that community, listening to that podcast, connecting, where's the best place to send people to who are watching or listening to this? Um, yeah, for the podcast, go to thefilmmakerspodcast.com and there's a back catalogue of like over 300 pods episodes on there and like i say if you're looking for an actor type in actor if you're looking for a casting director type that or an editor it, we've we've set that search bar up for that reason so you don't have to listen to them or scroll through trying to search what you want um yes that's there go look at that if that interests you um uh we've got obviously i've got my own website jazzelderson.com where you can find all sorts but find me on twitter jazzelderson on there and on uh instagram jazzelderson just come find me but what we're doing with the podcast is we're doing these um business of film explained where we're getting questions from the audience and we're debunking myths you know how many like say directors do uh, more than one film etc how hard what's the average age of someone making their first film all these type of things that people go oh right i don't feel so bad now that it's 37 you know <laughs> and there's them at 23 going it's never gonna happen for me um most people don't make films until their 40s so knowing that makes you feel a little bit more comfortable and stuff like that so we're doing that but we're asking for audience questions so if you have burning questions you want to know then yeah, we on the website there, there's there's a form, but also reach out. Um, we've got an email address. It's all there in the show notes. It's easy to find. If you want to reach out, you can reach out. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably it. The only thing we've not really touched on is you know the the vegan documentary, which we've we're in final stages of post now. And it's something I'm just passionate about. I sort of touched on it earlier, but I think it's important that if there's a chance for something outside the box of what you're doing, you know, it's great. You make horror films and you're passionate about that, but is that going to change the world? And if there's a way you care about the environment or the world, then I think you should try and do that. And that's what we wanted to do with this documentary is uh, because I can hold a camera and because me and Dan can raise some money and because we're big animal lovers, we know people in that world who might give us a bit of money to go off and shoot this documentary. We did. We were like, right, we want to say something. We want more people to understand it's, you know, it's very, very wrong. And the world is going to really struggle if we continue eating meat and drinking, drinking milk the way we are and the way we're hurting animals for me it was too important to not do something about it as a filmmaker without being preachy and going on about it but what i'm trying to say about that is if you've got something you're passionate about that is slightly outside then try and make them both work try and make it work if you really love cycling but you're a filmmaker then make a documentary about that you know it's something that but maybe it's something that can make a difference as well you know whether it's you you care about a war-torn country or you care about you know homeless people on the streets then do something about it through the medium that you love and that you can do something about it with because then you're making a difference and you're creating a legacy and that's what we're trying to do whether we do or not i don't know and whether it turns anyone you know plant-based who knows technically we've kind of already done that but um yeah you find out in the doc but um that that to me is important and i think if I can do something like that through filmmaking, then wonderful. 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 
Well, look, that brings us nicely to the end of our time together today, Giles. It's been a real pleasure to have you as a guest here on the Global Discussion. Um, Thanks to everybody who's watching or listening to this uh, podcast show around the world. I need you to like, follow, subscribe, do all the things to help us support the podcast. And uh, I hope that you'll join me back here for some more discussions with creatives, leaders and thinkers. And all that's left is for me to thank Giles, because whether you're, you know, in the directing, producing, screenwriting, TV or film world, I think it's a really exciting time. And you've got some, as you say, you've got the slate, you've got the projects booked in. And I can't wait to see what's coming next. So thank you, Giles, for being with us on the Global Discussion. It's been a real pleasure to catch up with you. Absolute joy, mate. Anytime. Thank you very much. Thanks, Giles. 